Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Sometimes it's healthy for us just to uh, pause for a moment, especially after worship, and reflect on and maybe even what was just prayed. Uh, we had an opportunity to worship, to lift up to the God of the universe our praise. Um, but I don't know how often uh, you think that prayer is just used as a covering for a cha- uh, change, you know, a venue here on the, on the stage. That's not the intention. AJ was just praying for some pretty serious things. I don't know if you heard that. It is possible that you're here visiting this morning and you came in um, hurting. You're actually concerned that uh, you'll go into this auditorium with a group of people you don't know all that well and you'll walk back out unseen. Uh, It is possible that you came here as a busy believer and this is just one of the things you do, right? It's... Uh, in your mind, the end of the week, not the beginning of it. This is how you wrap it up. You go to church, you do these things, and then you go about the rest of your week. It is possible for you to come in here and not see the people who are hurting. I, I just want us to take a moment right now. We, uh, we had this great conference last weekend. Um, and I'm going to ask you to consider right now, is there somebody in the room right near you that needs encouragement? Did you notice? If so, I want you to lock that person into your mind, all right? Don't lean over and tell them it's you. (laughs) I want you to think of some tangible thing. Maybe it's somebody that's just outside, but you know they're struggling to get here. They are in need of some encouragement. They need to feel seen. You maybe are here and you're saying, I I need this more than anything. Um, You need to speak up. Have courage this morning to look at somebody who has, um, now a lot of people in here have experienced grace, amen? Amen. But some of you need to tell your face, (laughs) all right? Find somebody with a grace face and tell them, I'm hurting, will you pray for me? All right, so lock that in, this right now, this is the, uh, God sending you a note right here, do you love me, yes, no, check one, okay? If you follow through with this, this is you saying yes to a prompt. Somebody that you know of that needs help, or you're down in a ditch right now and you need to tell somebody with a grace face, will you pray for me? Let's make this time together profitable. Okay, so we just started off real heavy right there, all right? You guys okay? (laughs) You didn't know, normally we start with a joke. Uh, I don't have anything like that for you other than the actual title to my message which is, uh, and this doesn't come from me, I heard this from somebody else, but we are about to study this morning a vegan passage. It's a vegan passage, that's true. No animal byproducts. All the sacrifices have been taken care of. No animal byproducts and three helpings of lettuce. Let us do this, let us do that, let us do the third, okay? Vegan message this morning. Are you ready for that? It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and following. And you need to remember, we've been studying the book of Hebrews. For those of you who haven't been with us, the first four chapters is talking about the glory of Jesus as a person, superior to any other person that has ever lived, superior even to the angels in heaven, superior in every single way is Jesus. Why? He is the Savior. 
fully God, fully man. And then chapters 5 through 10, Jesus is a superior priest. Speaking to the culture that he's speaking to, you can see it in the title of the book, Hebrews. He's speaking to a group of people who would have had to have a priest in order to have an interaction with the Lord. This in their mind is what is nailed down. It might be that Jesus is superior, but I still need a priest to take care of all of my details. And so it shows the superiority of Jesus and then the superiority of Jesus, not just as a person, but as our high priest. He is the only access that you need to the living God. Amen? And he's speaking to a group of people whose theology has impeded their faith. That might be worthy of writing down. Here's why. There are some of you who can't rejoice in the Lord. You cannot experience grace. You cannot experience forgiveness. You cannot forgive because you've not applied the theology that's in the Bible. Your theology, your personal theology is impeding your faith. Yeah, God says, If you come to him and and, uh, tell him all of your sins, he'll forgive us those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I've got a few things that I can't forgive myself for, right? What are you saying in that moment? God, you're really, really holy. I just, I've got a standard that's a little higher than yours. That's what you're saying. That person, I know that you can forgive them. I just can't forgive that. Why? Because I'm a little cleaner than you, God. Our theology, our expectations, our understanding gets in the way of what God is trying to get us to apply. And you won't experience what he has for you if your theology is impeding your faith. So he's trying to get us now in these next sections. He's going through a transition here from theology, which is good, theology to application. And this is an important passage in that trail. Let's stand and read it together. Hebrews 10 Verses 9 through 25. Not a whole chapter this morning, but an important few verses. It says, therefore, in light of these all, all these 10 chapters leading up to this, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have a boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since... We have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works not neglecting the gathering together as some are in in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you believe that's important? It is. You may be seated. There we are. Declaration that he has at the beginning. Everything has been accomplished. Therefore, let us do something. I just want us to walk through this passage this morning together. This is a passage that has uh, been tread down quite a bit, especially uh, in these last few years. A lot of people walking around on this passage. 
I just want us to see it in its context, which we've been doing. We've been building up to this moment. And I just want to walk through what it is actually asking you and I to do today. Okay? Are we all right with that? Okay. Therefore, very beginning. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have a boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice is not just a declaration that it is finished. It is an invitation. It says uh, earlier that the blood of bulls and goats could not get rid of sin. This is an important uh, matter for those that he's writing to. He's speaking to the Hebrew people. Remember, for centuries, they have been concerned with sacrificing an animal so that they could be atoned. How is it that the blood of bulls and goats doesn't matter? That's how we read it. That's not what it is saying, but that's how we read it. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Pete used an illustration. I want to piggyback on that. This is so helpful. I don't know how many of you were here, but you might remember that he talked about going across the San Francisco Bridge. And there was actually a process that they go through in order for that bridge uh, to not experience corrosion. The weather that's around there, that uh, salt air from the bay, actually attaches itself to all of the things that make up the bridge and begin to corrode it. And so what do they do? They paint that from one end to the other. They get rid of the corrosion. They paint that over so that the corrosive elements do not erode the bridge. They paint it over. They atone it. That's an amazing picture. That's a great picture of what was happening in the Old Testament. But you could actually say of that bridge, and this is where I want to amplify. I don't want to change the illustration. I just want to amplify one thought. Do you know that painting the bridge does not change the corrosiveness of the salt air? It doesn't change the corrosiveness of the salt air. In fact, painting the bridge doesn't remove the salt air from the surroundings. Painting the bridge does not change the fact that the metal that the bridge is made out of is uh, prone to corrosion. Okay? It does not change that fact. So here you have something that is being painted over, atoned for, something that is being covered uh, in order to stop the, what, the corrosion that normally gets to it. This is what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. He says, in this moment, this is what we are saying. We stop painting the bridge. Why? Because Jesus has come in and powder-coated the whole thing. It's no longer responsive to that outside corrosion. That corrosion no longer takes it down and no longer destroys it. In fact, he said a new and living way. You can drive across that without worrying whether or not some section of the bridge has been corroded. Why? Because it's covered in a new kind of covering. Something that actually has adhered itself to those original metals has changed the compilation. There's a new and living way and it's all Jesus. Amen? He's created something new. And the invitation he's about to pull us into, he says, hey, you got to stop painting the bridge. you got to start driving across that to get where it is that you are supposed to go. Get where you're supposed to go. He's inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that's through his flesh. Take a moment here really quick and... Uh, 
Aren't you thankful for helpful brothers in Christ that can uh, bless each other? Here's what he says. Jesus' sacrifice is not just a declaration, it's an invitation. You and I should see this as an opportunity to cross the bridge. So what does he say? We have a new direction. Let's do three things, he says. And I want you to notice as you go through this, underline in your own Bible, it says, let us three times... Let us draw near in faith. Let us hold on with hope. Let us consider or provoke one another in love. These three are in all these major um, announcements that go throughout the entirety of the New Testament. Faith, hope, and love. He is saying, you want to put application to what it is you're about to learn? Let us draw near faith. Let us hold on hope. Let us consider one another love. These three things are going to be the product. If you get what it is that Jesus has done, these three things will be in your life, faith, hope, love. And he gives us an illustration of what that looks like. A new direction. Let's start here. Let us draw near with faith. I want you to notice the construction that's in there in chapter four, verse 19. Um, He's made a statement to us, therefore let us draw near to the throne of grace. Same type of construction, same words that are used there. Uh, This is in essence uh, kind of an inclusio where he grabs all of that information. He says, therefore let us draw near to the throne of grace, which was the access into the holy of holies. He's just given you a whole body of evidence why it is now possible for you to do this. And he comes back to that statement and he says, therefore because of all of these things that Jesus Christ has done, let us draw near in faith. He's been making his case for six chapters. Do you know that if you were a Hebrew Christian and you were growing up in the time that the early church uh, was being established, there would have been a little bit of a war inside you of how do I go about living out my faith? Because you had grown up going to the temple. I want you to see a picture of this. The temple was all about barriers. If you came up to that temple, and it would be located there in the center of Jerusalem, if you came up to the temple, you would know there would be a place called the Gentiles' Courtyard. There were actually signs uh, in that location that uh, if you were a Gentile, this is as far as you go. It doesn't matter who you are, what level you are from any other uh, culture. If you are not a Jewish male, you could not go all the way inside there. You cannot come into the temple courtyard unless you were of faith. There was a barrier there that went all the way around the outside. You came in and where all the families could gather in order to prepare to have uh, the sacrifices taken care of, the women's courtyard, this was as far as uh, their women could go. Their families had to stay in this area. You see it on the right. Gentile courtyard, the women's courtyard, inside just the men and then the, the priests. As you go into the holy, priest, holy place, only priests could go in there. And there was a process of washing and cleansing they had to undergo even to be able to go into uh, that holy place where they had the tables of showbread and the incense and all of the other things that were laid there. And then there was only one of them once a year that could go all the way into that far left chamber. You see it kind of narrow down and go back. Only one. There was a process of barriers. A large group of people excluded at the entrance. Half of 
your family excluded in that first courtyard. The rest of the family, only one tribe can enter a little bit further and then only one man can enter beyond that. And you would go through this process. But he chooses some words here purposefully. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There are so many commentators and, and we spend all this time trying to figure out what, what is it to draw near with a true heart? How, how do we get sprinkled clean in this way? What is it talking about here? Is this talking about baptism? But I think what he's doing is going into the Hebrew mind and he's walking them through all of these barriers in the temple. And he's reminding them that the whole thing he's been focused on is that Jesus Christ has made a way for us to go clear into the holy place. There are no barriers. Folks, there are no barriers. There's no barriers. You can go right there to where the God of the universe, the judge of the entire universe, the one who holds our hand, the one who guides us, the one who expects righteousness, but also wants to walk with us, the one that is filled with compassion, we can go right into the throne of grace. All of the barriers have been removed. Uh, if you want to just study that out a little bit, I put some uh, passages in the notes there. The congregation in Exodus 24.8, in order to go from outsiders to insiders in that group, they were sprinkled, same phrasing that was used here, Exodus 24.8. And then the priests, a new level, so they came out of the congregation of those who had been sprinkled in chapter 24 and in chapter 29. They are washed as they put on their clothing to be able to go to the inside. He is saying, now... You have gone from outsider to insider. You've been sprinkled clean. You've been washed. You've been prepared. Why? Because Jesus did it all. He did all of that for you. Come in with boldness. Come right in to your father. In fact, it would be wrong for you not to come to him. That's what he has paid for. He wants this relationship with you. Let us draw near. There's a profound implication of this passage. And that is that you are as close to God as you want to be. Ken Witten, when he was here, a pastor, had looked around at a whole bunch of people and he said to our men at that time, you want to be closer to Jesus? You're aching to be closer with Jesus? He's saying, I want to be closer. I want to feel nearer to him. He says, well, here's the problem. In scripture, it says you are as close to Jesus as you want to be. You want to be close to the Lord? Let go of that stuff that's getting in the way of you being close. He's already paved the way. There are no barriers the only barrier to nearness with God are things that we place in front. We're pushing it along saying, can I bring this with? Got a whole bag of stuff and I'm pressing that into the throne of grace so that I can take this with me. He says, get rid of that barrier. That doesn't come in here. But the only one holding back nearness is you and I. You're as close to God as you want to be. Second thing I want you to notice in here, it says, let us hold fast. Second exhortation here. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. Now you might hear all of these things and you might say, man, this is really exciting. I, I wanna follow Jesus, I really do. I just want you to pause it in your heart right now. Don't whisper it. Don't look to the right or left and, and, and imply to somebody that they might know what this is. What is the thing that holds you back? When you say, I, I want to be a full 
force Christian. I want to live out loud. I want to follow Jesus with all of my heart. What is the thing that you know I have to step off of this and on with him? I found my security. I I, I want to say I found my security in Jesus, but I kind of find it in my bank account. I want to say I find my security in Jesus, but it'd be a lot better if the government was right. I want to say I find my security in Jesus, but these people, you know, they're just not saying the things that they need to around me. My friends, I need to win them over. I say I want to find my security in Jesus, but you you just kind of halfway commit. There's an interesting phrase here. It says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Important thing. Literally without leaning back. If you've ever committed to something halfway, I just want you to see this little dog that's trying to commit halfway. Look at him. Here he is. Oh, so cute, right? Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, slow-mo. Oh, I know. Have you felt like that, Christian? I want to commit to Jesus, but oh, and it just keeps seeming like it's pushing away from you. Why? Because you never actually got all the way in the boat. You got your toe in, and the next thing you know, you're splashing around like Fido. Egg beater kicking, head barely, by the way, um, I don't believe Fido was harmed in the making of that. He's not been embarrassed. He lived. There's an amazing moment in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 27. Elijah has been with a group of people who have been half in and half out. In fact, the implication in 1 Kings is that there's this downward trend that happens in Israel, and it started this way. As they would go to worship, because everybody in Israel was called to worship at the temple. They were called to go to this place where all these barriers were. And as they were called together, they would go by and they would see their fields from a distance. They would come across a mountain pass and they would be able to see out there all of these fields. And if they weren't white unto harvest, if there wasn't a great harvest that was going on, if their business wasn't doing well, if their life wasn't just right, there were these little altars in the high places where they could throw some coins in, where they could pause and reflect. And they began to make an offering. Hey, I'm going to worship the one true God, but this can't hurt, right? The Baals and the Asherah slowly took over to where there are 450 priests being paid for by those little token offerings. 450 high priests to Baal and Asherah. There's one prophet of God that's left. And he asks an important question. He doesn't give them a full sermon. He just says, how long will you hesitate between two opinions, Israel? If God is God, follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. That phrase, a Hebrew phrase, how long will you hesitate between two opinions, literally is this idea, how long will you stumble along on two twigs? You haven't given yourself fully to this way of life, so the muscles grow, nor have you given yourself to this way of life, so the muscles grow. You're not strong in any world. You've been stumbling along, not fully committing to either. There is no growth or strength in either side of it. How long will you stumble along on two twigs, he says? Commit to the Lord or just commit to that way, but this way ends today. That's what he says, fully commit. 
This is what the author of Hebrews is doing. He's drawing back to that same kind of idea. And he is saying, I've showed you everything that you need to see when it comes to the value of Jesus Christ. How long will you hesitate or only just put your toe into the boat? Get in and experience the joy of being with Jesus. Let's hold fast. He tells him, even though you're secure in heaven, which by the way, he highlights in chapter six over and over. You're secure in heaven, but in your earthly experience, you are as solid as you choose to be. Why don't I feel solid in my faith? Well, it's because I'm not putting my whole case in his hands. Third observation that's in here. We doing okay? Final thing it says, and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Let us consider or watch out for each other because of love. Here he says the influence that you give to people around is attached to thoughtful spiritual provocation. Um, Let us consider one another in order to provoke. That idea is to poke with a sharp stick, okay? Now, I don't want to see anybody here with a sharp stick next week, okay? It's going to make people unnerved. But when they were trying to move cattle from one place to another, they would have a prod that they'd be able to to switch them on the hind end or poke at them, and it would get them to jump and move into a certain direction. In fact, this word is used other places in Scripture, but it's not used in a positive way. Just write down for your own uh, edification uh, in their Acts chapter 15, uh, 35. You can look that up where it says they're provoking this negative experience, provocation. What he's saying is, I want you to consider how it is that you are going to provoke people. Do you know that every single person in here has been an irritant to somebody? Raise your hand if you've never irritated anybody. Okay, we got two hands in the back back here. We have saints in the room, all right? Bless you. Thank you for deigning to be in our congregation. For the rest of us, we are irritants. It's not if you're going to irritate somebody, you're going to irritate people. You're going to poke at them. But just remember, it's a, it's a joke that's now filtering all the way through our culture. But when was the last time somebody on Facebook or Instagram just said, thank you so much for your long, irritating rant. You've changed my mind. I'm completely different. I've set free. Anybody said that? No, but why do we use the world's ways and think somehow we're going to get a different result? You're trying to help your brother and sister, so you go on a long, pointed rant. Is that helpful? Who here was helpful this last week with a long, irritating rant, and you just completely fixed somebody's life? You shared your mind, but you did not consider how to provoke them towards the right way. See, there was a healthy reason to actually stir up cattle or sheep. You wanted to get them into healthy pasture. You don't just go out into a field and start ramming a stick into the bull in the field, right? That's not going to turn out good for you. He's not going to love it. But you can provoke them to go into a healthy field. You can get them to go to a place that is better for them. You can consider and say, man, they're not going. I can't lead them. I can't pull them. I can't get them there. I'm going to find some way. If I have to poke at this person, I want to stir them to a place where they feel loved and good deeds happen. How can I make that happen? There was a little kid, it actually happened in Oregon, at the Oregon Zoo. 
And uh, this is a big oops moment. The mom, just wanting their child to be hip and be able to have a good Instagram picture, had actually dressed uh, the little boy up. It was a mom from Bend, um, dressed him up like a zebra. Okay? Now, they haven't seen any activity at the lion den for months. They just lay there. They maybe sometimes would yawn, lick their paws. No big growls. No activity at all. Until little zebra boy comes to the window. And one of these lions is just looking around. All of a sudden, he's out there in the audience. He goes, and he jumps up and he charges the window. And they have a video of this. I couldn't get it for this morning. uh, I'll try to find some way to clip that for those of you who call later. He is licking, charging, growling. It was fairly exciting for everybody in the audience. And the little zebra boy, he thought it was great. Now, they had provoked that lion into action. Knowing the nature of the animal, she didn't intend to. The mom's like, I was actually kind of freaked out. I'm glad that the glass was as thick as it was. But the little guy wasn't unnerved. Dressed like a zebra, stirred him up, got him going. Instead of doing that for negative things, how can you do that for a brother or sister in Christ right now, today, that's in need? How can you do that to stir them up, get them to wake up and move towards the Lord? Do you know that that's the assignment God's actually given you? This is an exhortation in here. This isn't a, hey, you know what? This, there's a day we have set aside and we send out cards. I just kind of want you to write something nice. This isn't that. This is every single day. Jesus has paved the way. So you gotta draw near, you gotta hang on, and you gotta take somebody with you. Who is it that you need to encourage and pull in to your situation? You're as influential as your faith allows. I want you to imagine the whole point of this passage is to remind us that we're not just walking in a field of daisies. This world that we are passing through is not meant to encourage the believer. It's not meant to encourage anyone. There is sin and pain that is all around us. Do you believe that? I want you to imagine for a moment, and I've used these images before, but imagine for a moment that uh, you are in a room that is on fire. You're stuck in this room, and you can see on the wall, all right, this is the picture that Hebrews is painting. You can see on the wall the path that ever since you were in second grade and you've been doing fire drills, you can remember they would ring a bell and you would go out of the place. You would find out this is how you get out of a burning building and you get to the outside. And you can see on the wall the thing that you have practiced over and over and over again. And there, just in your mind's eye, use your imagination for a moment that one of the doors in all of the fire has cracked open to the closet and you can see that CPR dummy that's sitting inside there, right? Nobody remembers really how many times do you press, how many times do you breathe. You're just breathing fast right now, pressing on your own chest. You're scared. You can't remember all of these patterns. These are all things that you've practiced, but right now when it matters, you know what you need? You don't need to remember all those practices. You need somebody to save you. And somebody in the room says, nobody on the outside knows that we're here. And you all look at each other and you say, man, this building is vast. The room that we are in, we don't know. This might be the only place that's not filled with flames. If you go out there, you're going to die. And somebody says, I'll go. I will go for you. They go out of the room, into the fire. You're all just waiting. Moments go by. 
all of a sudden somebody comes back in. You can see through the mask that it's a firefighter, but it's the one who left the room and said, hey, I have found the way. Follow me. This is what he says. Yeah, it cost me. You're never going to know how much. This side, inside the room, we're not going to sit here and talk about this. You're never going to understand it fully, but I got to the outside at great cost. I have come back for you. Now, draw near, hold on, and bring somebody with you. It's that urgent. Now, imagine that one of you guys stops and says, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're really that guy? If you're really that guy, this has to happen, this has to, you start to have this argument, right? The author of Hebrews says, I've already taken care of all of those things. All you need to know is, this room's not getting any less hot. The place is on fire, and I want you to draw near, hold on, and take somebody with you. All of those other things have been taken care of. This isn't a fool's errand. This is the only way out. If you said, well, it it says on the wall, on the map, that, that there's some other way out. You'd be a fool to argue with the guy who says, look, I came in the only way that is safe. I'm going to take you out the only way that is safe. Follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. This is what the scriptures are highlighting. And the author of Hebrews is saying, I've done everything possible to build a case so that you would trust the firefighter as he is in the room. Now, draw near, hold on, and take somebody with you. That's the call. In Hebrews, that's what he is going to ask us to consider, and that's what we should be about. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would help us to see these things, to see the fact that in the book of Hebrews, um, the author of Hebrews has been laboring so hard to prove to all of those that are listening, not only that Jesus is worthy, but that there is something practical for every single one of us that know that truth. You will set us free from sin. You will allow us to draw near to the God of the universe that no longer do we have to be worried about our lack of holiness. All of the sin has been taken care of. The problem and the barriers between us and you removed in Christ. There is a way safely through. Father, help us to believe at first in our own lives and then right now this morning, I pray that you would help us to consider. There is somebody If we're a believer, if we're walking with you, if we have drawn near, if we are holding on, there is somebody that we know you have placed in our life who we are to encourage and consider, not how to provoke out of irritation, not how to poke at, but somebody who you want us to stir up, to grow their affection so that they would follow us as we follow you. Father, I pray that you would help us not just to think about our own situation, but the neighbor to the right and left of us this morning, that person who walked in and is maybe overwhelmed. Father, our own consideration, if we have been set free, I pray that we would hold on and take somebody with us. Help us to live out our faith in a way that makes a practical difference every single day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.